How are you guys doing? You had a good week? Fantastic. Can I just say, as I probably will keep saying every single week, welcome home. Welcome home to those of you that have been coming before the building. Because I've talked to a few people, and they remember the university drive days. That's a long time ago. Welcome to those of you who are maybe here for the first time. Maybe you're just looking for a church. Maybe, maybe you've come along and you're thinking, I have no idea where I am or what I'm doing. But something seems to be right. Maybe you're here and first or second time and you're thinking, I quite like this place. Maybe I should come back next week. We want to welcome our online congregation as well. And uh, I know many of you guys that are online want to be here, but for whatever reason you have to isolate or quarantine or you just don't feel as if you can be in the building yet. That's okay. This is, for you, this is the very reason I guess we've expanded our reach across technology. Just want to remind you of a couple of things. Next week is... I was going to say a week off church, but I don't think we have a week off church. I think we just have a week off gathering in the building. And I want to encourage you, if, you know, if you're able to, grab a group of friends, maybe grab your circle group, have a barbecue, have some friends around, say hello, have a party, bring your guns out, go around and show them to other people. I went to, uh, I went to my friend's house the other night. And I could tell I was not in Newcastle because both of them brought in these, well, one of them brought two gun cases in, the other one just brought it out and laid it on the table. I'm thinking, I'm definitely not in England now as they put their shotguns together. I wasn't envious. Well, maybe I was just a bit. But um, don't just take it as a, hey, church isn't happening. We are the church. We're just not gathering as a large group next week. Take the opportunity to meet with people in a smaller group. Be relational. And uh, I don't want to make this into a, an announcement thing, but we are having baptisms on our kickoff Sunday. I've never done a kickoff Sunday, so I'm really excited about that. Don't know what's going to happen. I know that there's going to be lots of nice cars here. That's going to be a good thing. I've, I've, I, love, I love cars, so I'm getting into a whole new, uh, a whole new car way of thinking. Uh, but, so I'm excited about seeing that. But we're also actually going to be doing baptisms as well. And so if you haven't been baptized, can I encourage you? What are you waiting for? It really is if you've made a decision to follow Jesus... And you know what baptism is. If you don't, then talk to, to Pastor Paul and say, I want to get baptized, but I don't even know what it is. Can you help me through that process? Baptism is one of the steps on our journey of discipleship. And I want to encourage you, do it. Do you know one of the things, and this isn't this is on my notes or anything, but one of the things is that many other religions take a, a Christian baptism more seriously than Christians do. They know that if, if someone steps into, into baptism, that they're actually making a very serious and public declaration of their following of Christ. So I want to encourage you, do that. Talk to us about it. And we'd love on kickoff Sunday to baptize you. So, you ready to get into the Word of God? Amen? 
There's at least three of us that are. Why don't you stand to your feet as we pray? Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you personally for the opportunity that I get to preach your word. I never want to take that for granted. I never want to underestimate the privilege and honor it is to speak your word, to maybe unpack a thought or two to people in this room and online. God, I pray for every single one of us whose hearts are open, that we will receive something from you, some, some way that's going to encourage us, something that's going to help us through this week. God, and I pray for those of us that maybe have had tough times, that this might encourage us to look to you more and more, to understand you more and more. And I pray especially for those that have never made a decision to follow you. God, I pray for something that's sung, something that's said, some of the attitudes that we, so the cultures that we have here at Circle. God, I pray that it will cause people to turn their attention towards you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why don't you grab your seats? How's life at the moment? I, I, I've, had a, I've had a great week. It's been fairly easy. You know, some of the more... Some of the more problematic staff like Paul Morgan have been away, so it's been quite nice to, to have a bit of a rest. And, but I've had the opportunity just to ease into life here and get some of the, I guess, the, just the, the, the stuff that, like, I didn't know we needed a health card, so I've applied for that, and that's coming through, and all of those things, bank accounts, and just getting my head into where we are as a church. I've had that opportunity this week and last week. Uh, to be able to, to do that. But, you know, we are living in really uncertain times, aren't we? Like, it's almost like we don't know from one moment to the next what's going to happen. The government have had to, to pivot so many times. It's like we're spinning in a circle knowing what to do. COVID has been up and down and all around. And the world situation, who knows what's going on with some of the stuff around the world. And we're living in uncertain times globally. We thought that lifting the COVID restrictions were either going to solve everything or send everything on a downward spiral. But neither has actually happened. But many of us have faced hardships in our health and our finances and many relationships are struggling. People are dealing with mental health. You guys, we are dealing with mental health issues. Some people have been struggling spiritually with, God, where are you? What are you doing in all of this? And we've questioned God, if we've been honest. Do you know what you're doing, God? I know that seems like, how dare we speak to God, but can we, can we be real when we're in church and not put on masks? How many have asked that question? God, do you really know what you're doing? Just me then, I have no idea why I'm standing up here. The rest of you should be standing up here preaching. I want to, I want to be real about what's happening in life and have questioned God, like, do you know what you're doing, God? Because I'd like to know. Maybe for some of you, it's why me, God? Is this really your will could be one of the questions that, that we ask. Why have you allowed this to happen now? Am I, am I doing the right thing at this moment? Did I do the right thing? can be a question as we look back. Maybe for one or two of you, the question is, God, do you, do you really love me? 
I know you love the world. Because that's what, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, God so loved the world. But do you love me? Because I just don't feel it. Maybe some of those questions are just going over and over in your heart and mind. And I don't know if any of you can resonate with any of those questions. And maybe you have other questions that you're asking at the moment about your situation, about your circumstances. And I think most of us have, you know, we have those times of, like the psalmist says, how long, oh God, how long? How long is this going to go on? How much more can I take before I break? Spoke a while back about the doubts that we have and how, how Jesus actually dealt with the people that came to him with doubts. Do you know what he didn't do? He didn't cancel them. We live in a cancel culture. Jesus didn't cancel people. He didn't blank them. He didn't ghost them. He didn't get rid of them, unfriend them when they came to him and said, came to him with their doubts. Do you know what he did? He drew them to himself. In our world, and I would say even many Christians want to divide and separate, but Jesus wants to make us be as one. He wants to draw us to himself. So what about all the circumstances that some of you may be facing or have faced or you know you're going to go into those circumstances? What about those circumstances that seem to divide us, that seem to take our peace? How do we face them? How do we reconcile them? Maybe the question for you is, God, where are you in all of this? In this holiday period, we've been looking at that simple phrase, God is. And hopefully as we, as we unpack some of those, those thoughts, those characteristics of God, that we begin to understand him a bit more. Some of, the, some of the characteristics, you might go, oh yeah, I know that about God. But there are others that you might think, I've never thought of God in that way before. We've looked at God is home last week. God is Lord. Today I want to look at a description. It might seem, might seem a bit weird. It might seem a bit, well, that's a, that's a bit out there. I'm not sure if I really want to, want to look at that as a thought, but it's something I'd like to maybe reframe for us. But the phrase that I want us to think about is, God is a consuming fire. Now, for some of you, when you get that, and I know one or two people have had, had issues and they've had to go up north to, one of the, to the lake. Still trying to work what the lake, the one lake is. But, you know, with the fires going on, and, and maybe when I say that, God is a consuming fire. That's the picture you have, the picture of the news of everything being, you know, consumed and burnt up consuming trees and undergrowth and animals and houses. And unfortunately, when the concept of God is a, as a consuming fire, and we say that and we read it, that's possibly one of the pictures you get. But I, I want to help us reframe that just a bit, if we can, today. The picture of God indiscriminately burning everything before him. 
Before we move on, I want to ask you, not ask you, but I want to, I want to say the number 37.8. Just repeat that after me. Cool. All right. Say it again just to get it in your memory banks. 37.8. Now, just hold on to that for a moment. I'll come back to it. Have you noticed how we love to polarize God, how we love to put him in the box? We, we often make scripture fit our view of God instead of the context and the overall narrative of the Bible. And we have our view on God and we make everything fit that picture. One of the pictures, God only chooses certain people. God chooses everyone and everyone is going to be okay and fine. God loves us no matter what we do. God's angry with us because we've messed up. And we fit everything into our concept of who God is. And, and that's why we're, over these few weeks, unpicking and unpacking a bigger view of who God is. As we read the Bible, we come to know, as I talked about last week, not the name of God, but the names of God. God has no name, but he has many we find that God is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. You see, he's not Santa Claus. He's not your personal butler or your personal banker. And God will not be confined by my neat package, by your neat package that we love to put him in. I love one of my favorite series of books, and I've read them so many times. It's the Narnia series. And the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe are talking about Aslan the lion. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he, is he quite safe? I think I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. See, many of us want safety, don't we? And if we want safety, and that's our predominant way of thinking, then we want God to be safe. But as we read, God isn't safe. God is a consuming fire. Can you remember the number I gave you earlier? What was the number? Fantastic. Just keep it there. Hold on to it. I also talked last week about God being relational. He is Yahweh. He is Elohim. But he's also Adonai. He goes from the supreme being to Lord to my Lord. God is relational. He wants to be in relationship with us. He is my Father. But I do want to think of God as a consuming fire. Where does that picture come from? Hebrews 12. Again, I haven't got time to read the whole chapter, and I'd love, many of you will, will have read it and, and know when I start reading it, but you might not get the picture that comes at the end. I just want to start with, the first couple of verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that was the, the witnesses, those that had gone before, those that had, had seen their faith 
come to fruition and those people that hadn't. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. But then I want to jump to the end of that chapter because this is, this is the picture that I want to leave with us. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, it's good to know in today's world when we see things falling apart around us, when we see governments being shaken, when we see politicians, when we see religious leaders, when our own lives are shaken so much, it's good to know that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. How we see God, how we understand God, will actually define how we read this whole chapter, especially those last few verses. And as I said before, a consuming fire brings up images of a flame that burns everything. Just before we, we left Newcastle, Imani and I, she finished school. And uh, she wanted to get rid of her uniform and get rid of her books because she obviously wouldn't need them anymore. So she made the decision to burn her books and burn her uniform. So I built a big, we've got this huge fire pit in the house. If anyone wants to buy a house in Newcastle, we've got one for sale, just the thought. Might as well throw it out there, who knows. But, so we I've had a massive fire pit. It used to be a pond and we smashed the pond up and put logs around it and built this raging bonfire and Marnie put a uniform on and then the books and it just got higher and higher and we often think of God doing that consuming everything we think of God there are so many things that could go wrong at this point but I thought I'm going to do it anyway we think of God when we read that consuming fire a bit like this you see this fire is burning the paper and there will not be much left of it when it's done. There we go. If the alarm goes off, don't worry, blame me. But all that's left, we don't need haze anymore, do we? All that's left is just some blackened ash in there. I'll just, later on, I'll just roll it up into a ball and throw it away. And unfortunately, we can often think of God as that indiscriminate consumption. And when I go through tough times, is that what God is doing to me? Indiscriminately consuming parts of my life burning up stuff and when I'm left there is nothing but blackened ash let me bring some context to this verse but also to the Bible see the Bible relates how God 
The, God, the Bible describes how God relates to us. And if, if you're worried about how God relates to you, go to the beginning. Go to Genesis, and I know this is slightly off topic, but go to the beginning and see what happens when Adam and Eve sin. See, what happens is that God goes looking for them. Get that in your head. God goes looking for Adam and Eve. When they mess up, and God can see down through the ages the consequence of this sin, not only for their own lives, but for humanity. And what does God do? He goes looking for them. He goes looking for them. And he has continually done that down through the ages. The Bible describes his plan for us. For those who choose him and for those who reject him. And God actually wants us to become like Jesus. That's God's plan for us, to become more like his son. Romans 8, 29 says this, for, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That means that God made plans for you to be like Jesus. How incredible is that? God predestined, he planned and purposed that we would become like Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. But here's the verse that's probably more well known because it's a nice verse. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We love that verse, those of us that have been around a while, don't we? All things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. But you see, some of the stuff we go through isn't nice but then we've got to read we've got to read that God uses that stuff to conform us into the image the likeness of his son it's called refining the context of both of these verses is really about what we go through to become like Jesus there is a process that we go through. I love the message version. It says this. It says, we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Can I say that again? We see the original and intended shape of our lives there with him. The things that we often go through are to take us from who we are into who God wants us to be. The Bible talks about refining us. Proverbs 17 verse 3 says this, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But God tests the heart. He refines the heart. I don't know if you've ever been near a crucible. I used to be an engineer and I loved, I loved the whole smelting process, but it was so hot. A furnace, just you'd superheat a furnace so that it would melt Iron melts steel. And if you've been near it, it's so hot. But you see, a refining fire is not, an indisc is not indiscriminate consumption like a raging forest fire. The consuming fire in Hebrews consumes our impurities. And maybe if you've read that verse before, you're thinking, oh yeah, I, I get that, I understand that. But it's often in the context of God's discipline. The fire that's been talked about there is a refining fire, a disciplining fire. Go back to the beginning of Hebrews. Let's throw off. 
Let's get rid of the things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles us. But I don't know about you, that can be sometimes tough. And it's sometimes the things that we don't want to do either. But that's just me, that's who I am. How many of us would love to see a harvest of righteousness and peace in our lives? I think most of us, if we think about that, yeah, I'd love to have peace. I don't know about the righteousness stuff. Maybe some of you are thinking, what the heck is righteousness? It's really being in right relationship. It's not about how good you are. It's about being in right standing with God and being at peace in community. Hebrews 12, this chapter again, 7 to 11, says this, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. No true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and respected them for, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of the Spirit of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of, harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. See, we're refined by what we go through. We are trained by what we go through. This morning at 4.30, my alarm went off. I thought about throwing it through the window, but I didn't. I got up, I put my running gear on, and I went out for a run. I ran a bit shorter, I ran about eight and a half K today, but I'm hoping for a harvest of fitness and abs. Now, the problem with that is, is with what I eat, I ain't gonna get abs, but at least I stay fit. You see, I'm trained, I'm not trained by staying in bed, I'm not even trained by my alarm going off at 4.30. I'm trained by switching off my alarm, getting out of bed, and doing something, going through some stuff. Right in the middle of Hebrews 12, there's a few verses. It says, and they won't go up on the board, but it says, we don't come to the mountain of law which consumes everything in its path. We don't come to a mountain where there's a raging fire that just indiscriminately consumes. Verse 22 says this, we come to the mountain of grace. You see, there's two different fires, two different pictures. There's the two mountains there that are, that are talked about, the mountain of law, which does consume things, but there's a mountain of grace which ends up with us having a harvest of righteousness and peace. You've come to God, the judge of men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Not a fire that burns up, but a fire that makes perfect. See, this fire that God is, the consuming fire that God is, is a fire of hope, not a fire of indiscriminate consumption. It's a fire that separates what is pure from what is impure. It melts and it brings the impure to the surface. And I can tell you, it's not a nice process. Sometimes it's not a pretty process. 
Sometimes it's a very painful process. And in that process, one of the things that people often think about is, but God, you're taking away who I am. God, when you're this consuming fire, you're burning up who I am. But that's just me. And you're taking it away, God. That's just who I am. Can I say, no, it's not. That is not who you are. What was that figure I said to you earlier? Very good. 37.8. See, 37.8% is what nine carat gold is. 30, nine carat gold is only 37.8% pure. That means that there is 62.2% that is not gold. Let me tell you, what God takes away is not who you are. It is who you are not. I don't, often the things that I don't want to do is because I think I'll lose who I am. But nine carat gold is not pure gold. It is only, it is less than half of what it should be. Are you content to be staying nine carat? Are you content to be 90, that, sorry, 37.8% when God is saying, no, I want you to be 100%. I want you to be pure gold. See, often what we define who we are, God wants to refine into something new. Nine carat gold is not what it's meant to be. God's not creating a different you. He's getting rid of what isn't you to make you what and who you are meant to be. He's not burning away who you are. He's burning away who you are not. And saying to God, I don't want the trials is saying, I'm okay how I am. I don't need to change. I'm satisfied with being 37.8% of who I should be. God is getting rid of impurities. Getting rid of the 62.2% to make you into pure gold. He's not consuming you. He's consuming who you are not. God's not making you less through fire. He is making you more through the fire. Maybe some of you are thinking, I'm going through that fire now. What on earth do I do? Remember this. The fire will prove what is really valuable. The fire will get rid of the rubbish. The fire will take away who you are not, not who you are. The fire will distinguish what is worthless and what is valuable. It's only, it's only in the fire that we find out what will really last. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13 says this, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Fire tests quality. And in this context, fire is not safe, but it is good. 
When we use the phrase, well, that's just who I am, we're saying I'm satisfied with who I am. I'm satisfied with being this much like Jesus. I don't want to be more like Jesus. God saying, no, I want you to be who I've created you to be. We submit ourselves to God as a consuming fire and we allow ourselves to become more like Jesus. We become authentic us. We become truly human. We are put back into created order. Now some of you are thinking, or maybe even asking the question, so, so is every situation from God? No, no, I don't believe it is. I've walked way too many parents through the death of a child. And if any situation is walking through or going through the fire, then that would be it. Did God cause that? No, I don't believe he did. Did God use it? Yes, he did, because I've talked to those parents over the years and sat down with one guy. He said, and I asked him, how has it changed you? And he said, you know what? It's just, it softened my heart. I realized how hard I was before that. But going through that has softened me. It's made my eyes open to what people are going through in my life. Community shows its true value and did show its true value when it surrounded the family with love and care. And when people walk through the, the fire, when people go through the fire, I love to see the community rise up. I love to see people caring for each other, people reaching out in the darkest of moments, and people being drawn back into relationship with Father God. You know, in the Old Testament, there's the account of Joseph and he goes through the fire. He goes through a, a refining process. He goes through some stuff sold as a slave by the family that should have loved him and then thrown in prison as a rapist. But at the end of all that, he confronts his brothers and he says, what you meant for harm, God actually meant for good. The consuming fire of, of Joseph's circumstances was used to bring about God's plan, not only for Joseph and his family, but also for the economic survival of the civilized known world at the time. God is a consuming fire. But maybe just not in the way that you thought or we thought. He consumes who we are not and makes us more of who we are meant to be. He brings us back into created order. Why would you not want that? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that your word reveals more and more of who you are. And in doing so, God, as we, as we come to understand, as we come to know you, God, you reveal more of your intentions and your love and your forgiveness and your plan and your purpose for each of us. I pray, God, for those people at this moment that might be going through the fire. I pray, God, that somehow that they'll know that you are the fourth within the flames. You are the one that stands with people in the fire. 
And God, you are the one that also refines us and defines us through the flame. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for those that don't know you again, that somehow they'll get to know who you are in this process. Amen. I'd love every head to be bowed and every eye just to stay closed, just for a moment. The reason I ask for that is really simple. I ask that because I want to talk to a couple of groups of people and I think we need to honor those people as they listen to what God is doing. I'd prefer if people didn't move around if they couldn't, if they don't need to. Just honor this moment. Don't zone out. If you're a follower of Christ, don't zone out. This is sometimes when you should be praying for the people around you because people prayed for you. But I want to speak to you specifically if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus yet. You've never said, God, refine me and define me. God, use the the tough circumstances in life, which are going to come anyway, but use them to make me like you. You've never stepped out on that journey of faith and you're saying, God, I want to ask for forgiveness. I want to give my life to you. Or maybe you're here and... You've gone away. Like the prodigal son, like that the story that Jesus tells of a young guy that walked away from his family. There's a moment in it, and Jesus says, He came to his right mind, and maybe just maybe that's you right now. God's speaking to you. You want to say yes to Jesus, yes to his love, his grace, his forgiveness. Or maybe you're a young person and you've grown like, like, like me. I'm not a young person, but I grew up in church. And there came a time when I had to say yes to Jesus for myself, not living on my parents' faith. Maybe that's you if you're online in any of those groups. I want to speak to you guys as well. I want you to be praying. You're saying yes to Jesus. If you know that's you, if you know I'm speaking to you with every head bowed, every eye closed, all I want you to do in a moment just lift your hand, maybe even give me a wave to catch my eye, because I want to say a prayer with you. And actually, the reason I ask for the hand is purely a personal thing. I love to know that I'm praying with someone. I know we can't do that online, but even on the chat, there's a, a raise hand facility, and if you want to do that, you can hit that when it comes up. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to say a prayer. And if you know I'm speaking to you, why don't you right now Stick your hand in the air, give me a little wave, and then we're going to pray. Thank you. Thank you. You're saying yes to Jesus. You're not saying, thank you. You're not saying yes to me. Thank you. You're saying yes to Jesus. His grace, his love, and his forgiveness. Okay, we're going to pray together right now as a community. I'm just going to say a prayer. You can say this prayer in your heart along with me. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. Jesus, I thank you for the life that you gave to bring me into relationship with you. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask that you take my life and make me like you. And from this moment forward, I'm now a follower of Jesus. Amen. Amen.